Christian witness in Negros. This comes from the Philippines and is written by Father Brian Gore. The first group of Columbans who came to the Philippines were pastorally oriented men with a lot of zeal for spreading the faith. Their commitment was shown in the sacrifices they made during the Second World War when they decided not to desert their parishioners. The Japanese murdered five Columbans, and one died when hit by shrapnel during the U.S. Air Force bombing of Manila. They died with their people, having stayed with them during the entire war. And until the 1970s, nearly all Columban pastoral activities were in parishes and school chaplaincies because of the lack of priests. Many took on chaplaincy work to evangelise young people and to prevent them from being recruited by other religious groups. Big changes came in the wake of the Second Vatican Council and later on with the proclamation of martial law in 1972. These two events had an enormous effect on the Columbans. And during the 1970s, Columbans in the Philippines, like their confreres in Chile, Peru and Korea, struggled with living under a dictatorship. With access to significant documents from Latin America and the theological reflections of many theologians and pastoral bishops, they found that Filipinos could easily identify with the history and pastoral experience of their Latin American cousins. In Negros and Mindanao, for instance, where the majority of Columbans worked, small community groups emerged in response to the heavy hand of the martial law. The experience in Negros was especially drastic because of its strong feudal culture, as exemplified by the Hacienda system. And the people began to realise that it was not God's will for them to live in dire poverty. Things had to change, and the poor had to be the ones to bring about that change. This was the good news for them, and with this understanding of their faith and the understanding that they were to be the agents of change, they had to organise themselves to make this happen, and the power of the poor is in their dominant numbers. The Declaration of Martial Law awakened Columbans to look for pastoral solutions to the challenges of that time. It was clear to many that the current hierarchical church structure was inadequate for dealing with living under a dictatorship. The church had to change. Many priests and some bishops not only encouraged their parishioners to organise themselves but put themselves and parish resources at their service. The communities flourished and, with this new awareness of their dignity and responsibility, started to confront the dictatorship in non-violent ways. And this was the preferred way of change for the emerging small Christian communities. These emerging Christian communities, led by the poor, were a challenge not only to the institutional church but also to the dictatorship. Both were suspicious and threatened by the visual power and commitment of this emerging church. And while traditional leaders in the institutional church could see their positions waning, 
The dictatorship, accustomed to church compliance, was fearful that the growth of this new fearless church would spread and be difficult to them to control. It would have to be eliminated. Pope John Paul II's message on the 20th of March 1981 in Bacolod, Negros, was a defining moment in church-state relationships. In his message to the crowd of 750,000 gathered in the Bacolod reclamation area, made up mainly of Catalingban, small Christian community members from all over the diocese, the Pope declared that the Church should never hesitate to be the voice of those who have no voice. He elaborated on the gap between rich and poor, both globally and locally. The people were ecstatic with Pope John Paul II's endorsement. The rich and powerful were angry, and a few hours after the Pope left, Bishop Fortich gathered with his priests to celebrate the great success of the Pope's visit. And suddenly he was called out to answer a phone call. He was told by the call of the most powerful politician in Negros that if that was the Pope's message, then there was going to be war with the Church. And this was the first open declaration of war on the Church. Subsequently, the Church in Negros, as in other parts of the Philippines, became subjected to harassment and lay leaders were picked up and murdered. The Church now had a new brand of martyrs. There were shocking stories of rape and torture, evacuations and detentions, all because they belonged to small Christian communities. Priests were not spared. Some were killed, some fled to the mountains, and others were falsely accused and imprisoned. Columbans were not spared either, although they were luckier than their Filipino counterparts. The challenge to build a more communitarian church with a special preference for the poor continues to this day. Many Catholics feel uncomfortable with the assertiveness of the small Christian communities. The idea of active community participation in the affairs of the church seems threatening to many, and the Columbans continue to respond enthusiastically to both John Paul II's and Pope Francis's calls to ecological conversion. We have been able to make our contribution in stimulating the Church to take environmental crises seriously. Unfortunately, many Catholics still feel threatened by the demands that ecological conversion makes, especially those who profit from the destruction of our fragile planet. That story, written by Father Brian Gore from the Philippines, entitled Christian Witness in Negros.